Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Thank you so much. Good morning. I brought a gift. I'm waiting to see who runs up here to collect it. We'll talk about gifts some this morning. I'm delighted we've met together today, been together uh, in this place, all of us for the sake of worship and the study of the word and being together. And if you will allow me for just a moment, I'd like to speak to those who might be watching by Facebook this morning or online. If you can be in the room, it's always a preference because it's good to be together. But if you can't this morning, I want you to know you're not alone. That God sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And we miss being with you. Those who I know are, are out of not just the habit but the opportunity to gather with the body on Sunday morning. And I just want to tell you that you're important. And God loves you and we're grateful for you. And if we can serve you here at East Haven, we'd love that opportunity. Folks, it is Christmas time just about. It's like 40 degrees outside. Can I get a hand? Yeah, I know some of you are laughing. You're thinking, we are applauding the weather. Yeah, I know. I know. But there's something mildly distressing about waking up and it's 80 degrees in Mississippi on Christmas morning. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there's just a, it may be cultural. It may be too many movies with too much snow. Uh, I'm a man, so I don't want to admit to watching the Hallmark Channel. But it snows and somebody's going to light a Christmas tree and somebody's going to kiss in the last three seconds of that show every stinking time. And there's always the guy who is the retired chiropractor, doctor, rancher from somewhere who shows up with the lady who just happened to be at home that doesn't want to take the business, take the inheritance, move back to her hometown and magic ensues. Do you feel me? We, we kind of have this narrative about Christmas, you know, the snow should fall down and suddenly somebody should build a fire in the fireplace and our kids are all going to be perfectly dressed and matching. No, they're not. I, I, li- I live in the real world. And yet there is a certain amount of magic, if you will, and I use that word advisedly, magic to Christmas. There's a lot of gift giving at Christmas and uh, at gifts, you hear it everywhere. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's gift cards. I can almost get an amen there. Gift wrap, gift certificate, re-gift. See, I heard a little chuckle because some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That wasn't a dirty Santa party. That was a chance to re-gift. I mean, I know uh, there's gift wrapping. There are all kinds of things that are attached to gifts at Christmas and we're going to talk about gifts just a little bit this morning. Gift is a, a really interesting word. It implies giving. Uh, sometimes, I mean, I heard just a little while ago as Robert so capably talked about giving. Sometimes we talk about the way we give in the body of Christ financially to support the work of a local church and the kingdom work that we do beyond these walls. And we talk about how we come and we bring our gifts And it's gifts in that it is not compelled. It isn't a legal act. We're not giving money in consideration for some goods or services. And yes, I know that we give and there's a building and and people to be paid and utilities to be paid. And I, I get all that. 
but our giving is actually a gift. And I heard Robert say this eloquently, thank you for your faithfulness in so many ways and thank you for giving. Um, I'm the interim pastor, I'm not the pastor, but I have a pastor's heart and I've grown to love you a lot in the last three or four months and it's just important that we continue to give. Now, you're giving, and I probably, nobody's asked me to say this out loud. I, I might get beat with my Christmas present when this is over. But your giving's just a little bit under what it might normally be. And by normally, I mean over the last couple of years. There's nothing unusual about that. I just want to encourage you, particularly at the end of the year, to give generously. To give generously. To support kingdom work. To support this part of the body of Christ that God is using to change lives. To gather together, if all you did was walk in, hear the word, be encouraged, and walk out, it would be an incredible addition to your life. But the body of Christ that is East Haven is so much more than that. It's an impact uh, indirectly into the lives of not only you but your families. There's a residual impact. It ripples out from what happens here and it literally happens all over the year, all over the world and throughout the year. And I want to encourage you to be generous. We start this morning thinking about gifts a little bit. Now, you don't actually get this gift. My wife threatened me if I didn't remember to bring this home. This is a gift for our almost uh, two-year-old grandson, and I'd be in deep trouble. I mean, just keeping it real. It's wrapped for the season. Now, that's another illustration. You'd think I would have brought a present that would have been wrapped in bright colors and maybe uh, ornaments or something, but no, this one has Santa Claus on it and reindeer. Santa Claus and the reindeer, this may be shocking to some of you, are not in the scripture anywhere. Did you know this? And, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. But that's the way this present got wrapped. And we wrap things sometimes depending on where we are in our thinking about the receiver of the gift and the gift. So it's wrapped in a, a very kind of fun wrapping paper for our grandson. We're going to talk about gifts and wrapping a little bit this morning. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes these words. He says, uh, let's see if we've got it. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This passage actually concludes a portion of that chapter with that expression, Paul writing, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's really a passage about giving, about generosity, about being the people of God. And he concludes with that because everything we do comes out of our relationship with God. So we are graced, we are given a life with God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the hope of God. Think Advent, the love, the joy, the peace of God. We're given all of that. And out of that flows this generosity. It's really actually interesting that the word indescribable there is a word that Paul coined. Uh, It's a Greek word and it's a composite of a number of other words And it's used in such a context, it basically says exactly how it's been defined in English. It is something that is beyond the ability to describe. I mean, it's self-evident there. But it's coined by Paul in this place as it talks about the mystery of the gospel. Uh, It's in Koine Greek, 
and you've heard preachers stand up and talk about Greek and Hebrew, but it's in a really unique language that gives great color to that. We're thankful to God for his indescribable gift. Gifts tend to be wrapped based on the giver, the receiver, the occasion, the gift itself. And today we're going to talk about how this Christmas gift of the indescribable Jesus has been wrapped. Now, I'm going to do an aside for just a moment. This is an interim pastor, peek behind the scenes, sort of look at something that you may wonder, may think you know, may have participated in, but I want to do a little aside for just a minute. So I'm going to step right over here and tell you something because at some season, God's going to bring a pastor to you and I want you to be aware. I've got a pastor mentor who's in his 80s and uh, Dr. McKeever, Joe says this, he says, uh, every pastor uses, borrows, researches material from those who've gone before him. Do you know this? Now, that's one thing. Uh, I had a pastor that I was aware of once and, and spent some time with who would read Charles Stanley sermons from the pulpit. That's a problem. But pastors always build on what God has done in the life of other people, whether they're using a a set of commentaries or uh, some sort of language study or they're going back to other people's sermons or history or books. Uh, Pastors preach notes or lines from a great pulpiteer in history like a Spurgeon or others. That happens. And my pastor mentor friend Joe McKeever says, pastors will say, As Spurgeon said, and the next time he preaches that, he'll say, it's often been said. And the next time he preaches it, he'll say, I often say. And that's kind of the way it works. Because the reality, just being real, real with you this morning is, very few of us craft sentences and outlines that have never been considered before. As, as amazing and wide as the grace of God is in the Word of God, uh, most of us are informed by the great scholarship and the great history of others. So this morning, stepping back out of that moment, kind of behind the scenes, I'm going to tell you that I'm using three phrases, really just three words that I've borrowed from Chuck Swindoll, because I love what he's done with where I was going. And I, I wanted to talk about what we've talked about the last couple of weeks and continue to bring this forward as we anticipate Christmas. We're talking about how the incarnation of Jesus, we just sang about that a few moments ago, the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ was wrapped, if you will. The first way that Christmas was wrapped is in prophecy. Over the last two weeks, we've talked about prophecy a lot We talked about the 60 or so prophecies that directly relate to the birth of the Messiah. We used two weeks ago an illustration of eight of those prophecies based on a book by Dr. Peter Stoner and the the incredible probability that that would happen was one in one to 10 to the 17 power. It's a number we couldn't even estimate. By the way, moving beyond that, it's been estimated that if all 60 prophecies were to happen in one person, one time, one place, the odds of that would be 1 in 10 to the 127th power. 
just if you don't know, you can't fathom that number. There's no way to fathom that. Electrons in the world. I mean, I'm talking about a number beyond our ability to fathom at just the right time. Christmas, the baby Jesus was wrapped in prophecy. God gave these clues to the people of Israel for 900 years or so to say there is a deliverer, a prophet, a Messiah who is coming. And the people of Israel awaited him. Now, did they anxiously await him the way an eight-year-old awaits Christmas? Probably not because it had been hundreds of years. I was talking about this this morning with Scott and Kenny. Do some of you, and I know there's some small guys in the room, but some of you, can you think back to how long it took Christmas to arrive when you were eight years old? Do you remember what was that? Christmas was forever showing up. When is Christmas coming, Mama? How long will it be? It was a long time. You know why? Because if you're eight, you've lived about 3,000 days. And you wake up in a new world every morning. Some of you who are parents of eight-year-olds, can I get an amen? You wake up in a new world every morning, and, and a day's a long time because it's a big percentage of your life. I'm 66. I have lived, uh, what is it, 24,000 days? I go to bed at night, and I think, I'm not even sure I lived today. I, I just got out of bed, didn't I? The days go by fast the longer it goes, and the less of that long anticipation. Well, in all these 900 years for the children of Israel, it became the, the place for those who studied the Scriptures to live and to consider and to speak about and in their rabbinical teachings to talk about the Messiah coming all of the time. But it had been 900 years. It's not as though there wasn't hope or there wasn't expectation, but it had become commonplace to expect. So the coming together of the Messiah grounded in Scripture, grounded in prophecy, was something that had become almost second nature to the Jews of Israel. 900 years. And yet when we see the convergence of those prophecies in the life of Jesus of Nazareth, we're pretty blown away. How could that even happen? I chose today, and I believe by God's leading, four passages in Isaiah. Isaiah, Zechariah, the Psalms were uh, just replete with passages, prophetic passages about the Messiah. And in Isaiah seven fourteen and beyond, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne, lineage of David, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. 
the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He, he has become my salvation. These passages in Isaiah illustrate how Christmas, the baby Jesus was wrapped in prophecy. It was expected that the Lord Jesus would come. He was also wrapped in history, wrapped in history. Now, history is interesting. I think I quoted in here what we told my family a lot and I've told others. You're not all that interested in history until you have a little history. And once you have a little history and you begin to realize how much happens in your life that builds upon itself and the gifts and sacrifices and the lineage of others, suddenly it becomes interesting. When I was 11, I was not interested in Ancestry.com. Basketball game, riding my bike, Ancestry.com, not that interested. Interesting, at my age, I'm like, who came before me and who will come after me? Wrapped in history, in the moment. And God, in just the perfect time, Galatians 4.4, we quoted it last week. Galatians 4.4 says, but when the set time, or at just the right time, some versions say, had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. At just the right time, Jesus' birth, Christmas, was wrapped in history. Now, I have asked myself, particularly in recent years, why would the Lord's timing be just perfect right at 2,000 years ago for the birth of Jesus, for the expression of the incarnation, for the visible expression of the invisible God? Why would God have chosen that time? Some people talk about the Bible as a narrative, as a story. And in the macro narrative, the big story, what we see is just the right time, God presents the visible expression of himself. Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Remember, he was, he was uh, oppressed by that. Because the religious leaders, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees knew what he was claiming. It was just at the right time. Well, when you look historically over the top of this, God has established a covenant relationship with his people. He said to the children of Israel, I'll be your God, you be my people. That's a covenant. And God being an unequal partner in that covenant contract, more than that, says, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to... uh, present to you my son at just the right time. If you look at the history of the world, here's what happened in that region, in that part of the world. Alexander the Great goes on this great crusade and conquers much of the known world. The Romans build roads. Now, they do other pieces of engineering that were before then unknown, 
but above all else, they built Roman roads and fortresses and outposts all over the known Western world, which basically surrounded what we call the Holy Land, the place where God's covenant people resided. Because of that, the message of the gospel was able to travel in literally unprecedented way around the world. Alexander the Great had brought Koine Greek, this language that had become really the official language of much of the world so that many tribes and tongues officially spoke with one language. So when we receive the New Testament in Greek, we receive a known language of the time that was able to be communicated in many official ways around the world. There are so many things that happened just then. Now, some might look back and say, now, it would have been so much more efficient, God, if you had thought about the internet earlier. I mean, Jesus could have had a social media platform. He could have had some social media direction. He could have had some personal marketing and branding that would have knocked it out. I mean, he's Jesus. Surely, God could have established a strategy for getting the message out that would have been better then. But God, at just the right time, Galatians 4, just the right moment, when the world was set for the birth of this humble servant, the Father sends the Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. There are so many dynamics to the birth of the Savior. For instance, in just the right time in history, to fulfill the prophecies, the virgin was going to have a child from the shoot of Jesse, from the house of David, born from Nazareth, but born in Bethlehem. How do you move those people to Bethlehem? At just the right time, there's a census, and this young, awkwardly pregnant couple find their way to Bethlehem at exactly the right time to fulfill the prophecy. Jesus, his birth, Christmas, was wrapped in history. And finally, Christmas was wrapped in mystery. And here's the mystery of the gospel. I use the word pretty often. It's one of my favorite words that is bigger than I am about how I think about and what I see revealed about the Father in the Word of God. God is transcendent. His ways are not our ways. He is the sovereign, immutable, omnipotent, that's all-powerful, omniscient, that's all-knowing. He is the eternal God, the holy God. He is all of that. He is the creator God. He is beyond us. He is transcendent. But he has become near. The scripture throughout the New Testament describes this reality of the incarnation. The transcendent God becoming touchable, becoming human, so that we could see what God was like. He was wrapped in mystery. John, an expressive gospel, a place where 
John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes in language that is almost in itself transcendent. It's, it's figurative language. It's poetic language that captures some of this mystery. In John, the 14th verse, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I love the Luke 2 Christmas story. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The Christmas story in Luke 2 is the most often read piece of the Christmas story from the four Gospels. I just read from the book of John, which is the one Gospel that's not synoptic. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we call the synoptic Gospels. Synopsis, it means story. And typically it's linear and it's chronological in a sense. And there is a a marriage of the three Gospels. Some of the stories are told over and over in different ways from different views. Uh, And I believe because God knew those perspectives by the work of his Holy Spirit gave us keen insight through the way that humanity works. But the Spirit leads and empowers to understand the story of the mystery of Jesus. There's so many aspects to the Christmas story, and many in the room have heard these your entire life. But the shepherds today, when we think about mystery, on a hillside, shepherds got the word. Folks, you you couldn't be much less schooled and less important to the culture than shepherds. They were Bedouin types living on a hillside, skirting the desert, taking care of their sheep. They, uh, they probably didn't know bathing. Can I just say that discreetly? It was a rough life. 
It was a little-known, underappreciated, lower class of people from the way the culture would have thought. And yet, the angels speak this incredible truth to them. There was so much mystery that surrounds the incarnation. Jesus was wrapped in prophecy. This incredible grouping of truths about who and when and where the Messiah would be. In history, at just the right time, prepared in advance by the Father who knew exactly when the Savior would appear, born in mystery, that the Word would become flesh. There are people in this room, maybe many, who think with critical minds who have been influenced by the scientific method, intelligent inquiry, educational rigor, and you've had some moments where you've thought, now, can I get my head around this Christmas story? And I want to challenge you and say to you, report to you, that millions have. Why? Because a transcendent God chose at just the right time to allow us a look at who he is. And that picture of the visible expression of the invisible God, the truth of the I am sayings of Jesus, the understanding that God humbled himself to become even a bondservant or a slave on our behalf is the greatest story ever told. Is it a story in that it's not true? No, it's a story because it's true. It's the narrative of the Son of God so that we could see him and know him and ultimately born in flesh that he would humble himself and die on our behalf on the cross. I've quoted it often, but out of the New Testament, I love the passage where Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he says, your attitude, now let's stop right there for just a second, your head, your head, what motivates you, how you see the world, your attitude as believers should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, he was God, he is God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be held on to, but he gave that up and he became as a man. He became as an obedient servant, responsive and faithful to the Father. His obedience even as a servant or a slave, taking on the form of man. Why? To be obedient even to the point of death on the cross. And that passage ends with this sure confession. It essentially says that at just the right time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ the Lord is our Savior. We celebrate Christmas. Because it is the birth of our Savior. Because he is God. And we can know him. And he sees us. And he knows us. And he's provided a way for us to not only be forgiven of our sins. 
mercy expressed, but the gracious life of peace and hope and love and joy. Christmas was wrapped in prophecy and history and mystery. But he's available to all of us. In this place, if you've never trusted Christ, let me recommend this indescribable gift of trusting him who sees you and loves you and gave his life for you who didn't consider equality with God a thing to be held onto, but became obedient even as a bondservant or a slave to the point of death on the cross for you. And if you're a believer, maybe you've loved him a long time, you've surrendered your life, you're a Christ follower, let me say to you today, there are more gifts available to you. God wants to continue to bless you and grow you and form in you the image and character of God in an ongoing way. We don't want to shy away from the gifts of God. We want to know him. We want to recognize him. We want to become more and more like Jesus. Let me be very concrete in the invitation this morning. We're going to sing together in just a couple of moments. And we're going to stand while we do that. And there are several things that can happen. It may be that we'll call this an altar space this morning, these steps, this place. I'll be available. I would be honored to pray with any of you who are walking through a season and you would just like somebody to say to you what you know, which is God loves you, sees you, knows you, hears you, and provides for you in this season. I would love to be that person this morning if that's what you need. Maybe for somebody you recognize that there's more of God to know. He's got more work to do in your life. Maybe you're in a season where trusting him is particularly hard. And maybe this altar being open, someone might want to come and kneel. We're not going to look in and and wonder and judge. We're just praying together, worshiping together this morning. Or perhaps you know that life in the body of Christ is better spent together. And you need a place to call your church home. East Haven This is a great place. This is a great place to make lifelong friends, to walk through your life together, to have the joys together of of laughing together and experiencing joy together. It's also a great place when you're going to need, and we all do at some point, somebody to pray with us and to cry with us, to mourn with us and to live in those moments. This is a great place. East Haven would be honored to have you as a part of the body of Christ that is East Haven Baptist Church. So whether you're coming from another church or trusting Christ for the first time, needing on your own to perhaps bow at the front, or you want somebody to pray with you, whatever God puts in your heart this morning, we want to be obedient in this invitation time. We're using a gift theme this morning, and I just want to say to you, I've grown to to love you and appreciate you. We miss our people when we're not here. We, we like you people. Some of you are saying, you don't know me. Yes, I do. I've checked out all of you. I, I've, I've stalked all of your Facebook pages. I, I find people I know, and then I find all the East Haven people they know. I know all about you people. And everything I know, I love. Real life, real people, real needs. 
but it's a real God who sees us and knows us and such a privilege to serve him and love him in this place. He's a gift to us. You're a gift to each other and a gift to me. Allow me to pray for us and then we will stand, we will sing and you will respond, I trust, as God is leading you. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your grace. I'm thankful that at just the right time, Jesus came. Sir, I recognize, even as Paul said it, that I can't get my human mind around your glory. You are an indescribable gift, and we're thankful. Father, my prayer this morning in these moments is that whatever you would be leading somebody to do in this place, that they would be responsive, they would be obedient, they would be cheerful and joyous, they would be obedient even in their fear in these moments. God, give them great boldness, a heart for obedience. Whether they're coming to be a part of the church that is East Haven or uh, confessing Christ for the very first time. And God, I'm aware that we walk through seasons in life and there may be some in the room this morning who are walking through a difficult season. I pray grace and encouragement and favor upon their lives and We're thankful that you gave Jesus, that we see in our Savior, the Father. So, Father, by the work of your Holy Spirit in this place, have your way. Help us to surrender all, to love you with everything we have, to live a life as a response to the gift of our Lord Jesus. As we sing, God, give great grace and favor in this room, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together, please. You come. I've forgiven because you were forsaken.
this morning. Uh, I've lived a while, a lot of days. I've been in the ministry 45 years, a lot of Sundays. And I want to tell you something so that perhaps God would honor it with a sense of purpose and favor and blessing and peace on you. Uh, I learned a long time ago that it is not my job to keep score at the invitation. That's not what that's about. And I've also lived a lot of life and people tend to be in a season where they're hesitant to come be a part of a church without a pastor. You know, so what, what's going to happen here? And uh, I appreciate Jed and Heather a couple of weeks ago coming to be a part of the East Haven family. But for many people, that's a, that's a question. Now, the reality is I'm probably not speaking to a lot of people in the room, but I'm speaking to some of you about the relationships you have. Love people. Encourage people to be a part of the body. Serve them well. If God gives opportunity, go all the way to the gospel with them. There are thousands and thousands of people within 10 miles who desperately need to know that God sees them and loves them. And that Christmas is not about elves and elf and Santa Claus and somebody on a shelf. It's about the risen Savior who in real time arrived to show us the Father. And he loves us. And our job is to share that. Not just to gather and talk about it but to actively share the truth of the gospel. Robert, you're not Robert. You can't fool me. It's a good-looking beard and nice sport coat, but you're not Robert. Robert, other words for us as we go before. I want, I want to close in a moment. Hey, let me just remind you that uh, this Wednesday night we will not be having uh, our midweek activities. Uh, but again, just let me encourage you to be here next Sunday at 1030 as we worship together. Thank you, Robert. Robert does such a great job of keeping this thing together and afloat and, and on the right track. God, is, uh, God has blessed your church in so many ways. I want to pray for you. You know I do this pretty often, but I want to pray with your eyes open this morning. Don't do it all the time, but I'm doing it now because I'm speaking to the Father on your behalf. I believe the best days here are ahead. And this season is an incredible season, short season. This is not 900 years. This is a few months of waiting. Your pastor is not the Messiah. And just go, whoever he is, I'm just telling you, he's not going to be perfect at all. He will be a fellow journey person on the journey with you to becoming more and more Christ-like. And I'm so excited about whatever God does here whoever the Lord brings in his timing. I'm grateful for Christmas. We need Christmas. We need the, we need the break in our spiritual life to rebreathe and rethink deeply. And I would challenge you to go back and look at the passages through the Gospel of John or read the book of Isaiah. Flip through it if you don't have time to read it. Take a look at what God has said about his son. Let me pray for us with our eyes open. Heads up. Father, thank you for these folks, for their faithfulness in leading us, these folks who serve us so well and the folks outside of these doors this morning. 
But Lord, I thank you for these men and women in this room. God, I know you've seen us and you love us and you provided for us a hope and his name is Jesus. And Lord, above all else, I pray we would live lives that would honor him, that by your spirit we would be propelled and compelled into the world to share the truth of the hope and the life, the forgiveness and the forever that we find in the Lord Jesus. God, thank you that we gather as a church in a country that we are free together. Speak the truth of Jesus' name and read your word. Thank you, Father, that we're able to sing praises to you. Thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. Thank you that you are real and that through Jesus we have seen the Father. May we celebrate Jesus in this season. God, I pray for those who are not with family somewhere else, even for those who are online today, that we would be able to gather in this place next Sunday morning at 1030 and together we would celebrate the incarnation of the Lord Christ in a positive, loving, honoring to Jesus way. So give us that time. Bring us that favor. Lord, we ask your blessings in a way that would allow us to bless and minister to you. Help us to practice your presence as we walk out these doors. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people at East Haven said, and amen. God bless you. Have an incredible day. We'll see you next week. Bye.